Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. The FT. Hello and welcome back to Hard Currency, the FT's weekly Forex podcast, taking a hard look at what's driving the world's largest financial market. I'm Alice Ross, the FT's currencies correspondent, and I'll be talking you through the market trends this week with the help of my special guest, Jane Foley, Senior Currency Strategist at Rabobank. Jane, hello and welcome to the show. Thank you. Let's start with the euro. We've seen what looks like great news for risk appetite and the strength of the single currency after the European Central Bank finally confirmed plans to buy government bonds in peripheral markets, if those governments request aid, of course. But we've seen the euro rise to its highest level in more than two months, moving up to 127 against the dollar, as investors have taken heart that the move by the ECB will help to bring down unsustainably high bond yields in countries such as Spain and Italy over the medium term. Jane, we've seen the euro rise throughout August and now September, all because of the ECB. How sustainable do you think the euro is at these levels now? Well, there was a line in the uh, the FT this week which says euphoria never lasts. And mm. I think we know that. And, and this is a, a big question now facing the euro. And I think the, the onus of the or the answer to that question will come from Spain, because, of course, Spain hasn't yet requested aid. And, of course, looking at the uh, the results of the most recent bond auction from Spain, you might think, well, do they have to request aid urgently if they're, they're managing to fund themselves at those sorts of levels? So will Spain reject the conditionality of the ECB? Will it eventually be forced into accepting this? And this, I think, is a question which will be answered by the end of October. The end of October, of course, is when there is a lot of uh, bonds due to be uh, refinanced in Spain. Now, if Spain does decline or if it does object to the conditionality uh, laid down by the ECB, I think the market uh, risk appetite could pull back and potentially quite sharply. So I don't think the euro is necessarily out of the woods. Uh, Spain, I think, will provide the answer as and when uh, we do get pullbacks in the euro. But if we don't get pullbacks by the end of October, if the euro retains its better tone and Spain seems relatively compliant with this new package from the ECB, I think the probability of sharp pullbacks into November, December will probably be a lot lower than the the risk of pullbacks at the present time. Yeah, it's really interesting. I actually saw someone mentioning on Twitter today that two-year bond yields in Spain have, you know, come down from six or seven percent to just two percent in the past few weeks, without anyone actually doing anything. Without Precisely. the ECB doing Precisely. anything. Precisely, a virtuous circle, I suppose. And I suppose you, many people in the eurozone would argue that part of the crisis was the opposite—a vicious circle. Mm. Uh, when many people would say, including, of course, uh, the Italian uh, Prime Minister this week, that some of the yields that we've seen in the eurozone 
perhaps don't warrant uh, the economic climate. Of course, that's a massive debatable subject. But a lot of people would say, well, Spain is complying with the austerity that was laid down for it. Italy is, is also making progress. And this is the argument I think we've really got to find our feet about in the next couple of months is where should bond yields be? Have the Spanish government done enough? Are they going to proceed with structural reforms? Should the market reward them, therefore, with lower yields? Or should investors still remain extremely wary and pull back from the better tone that we've seen today? Mm. Uh, What about stuff that's coming up this week? We've got, of course, the German Constitutional Court is ruling on the proposed new European stability mechanism, the the Eurozone's bailout fund, on Wednesday. Now, that has been seen as a a key event um, in terms of risks around that, obviously. I actually saw a poll recently from apparently 20 German legal experts that was quoted on Reuters saying that none of those expected that the German Constitutional Court would rule against the ESM. Do we think this is still actually a risk this week? It clearly is a risk, but I think the market consensus has taken on board those sorts of polls that you've just been talking about. There is the possibility that they may attach certain clauses, more conditionality, if you like. Clearly, we don't know what that will be. We will have to wait, but it does seem uh, that they are unlikely to throw too many surprises at us at this point. So it could be quite stable uh, in the week ahead. Hopefully, hopefully, (laughs) as always. Let's not forget, of course, that the euro is highly susceptible to QE3 speculation in the US, which brings us to the dollar in the week ahead. We have the FOMC meeting on Thursday the 13th, and expectations for QE are not unanimous by any means, but certainly significant at this stage. We know the Fed is concerned about the US economy, so we've seen the dollar moving a lot in response to US economic data. In fact, that was one reason that the euro didn't rise as much as people thought it would when the ECB made their announcement on Thursday because positive jobs data in the US that day had lowered expectations of QE and given the dollar a bit of a boost. So everyone's very much on tenterhooks about what the Fed is going to do. Jane, how likely do you think it is that they will act this week? I think there's got to be a a decent chance that they will. Clearly, if you look at the conditions that are coming up in the US, particularly, of course, that fiscal cliff, then that could cause a huge amount of concern about where growth is going to be in the first half of next next year. Now, clearly, not very many people expect that fiscal cliff to be hit. The Congressional Budget Office announced revised forecasts recently that said if it is hit, then growth in the US could contract by 2.9% in the first half of next year. Now, as I say, nobody expects that to be hit. But many people, of course, expect uh, that the two factions within the, uh, uh, the government in the US to leave this till the 11th hour to be sorted out. And meanwhile, uh, Bernanke himself has said that that effect on confidence could slow growth itself. People will delay investment decisions, delay employment decisions, delay maybe even consumption decisions. So uh, growth could be tempered just by uh, the the fear of the fiscal cliff. And in that environment, I think Bernanke will be willing to act. He will have his finger on the the trigger. Look at the long-term trends in the labour market. From a historical perspective, unemployment in the US, it remains extremely high long-term trends of unemployment are very worrying too. So there's a very, very strong chance that between now and the end of the year, there will be persistent concerns of more action from the Fed. What about the theory that by its actions, uh, the ECB has actually made it less likely that the Fed will have to act because, you know, we've seen this huge resurgence in risk appetites. 
And presumably the fallout on the US economy could now be less from the Eurozone, you know, being in utter crisis. I think that's a valid argument, but I think it's far too early to make conclusions. For instance, we could see a resurgence in some tension in the Eurozone if Spain decide to play hardball with the ECB's new bond buying plan. So the euro isn't out of the woods. And I think from that, that at this point of time, that would be too risky a scenario for the Fed to take. And besides, look at all of the damage that the Eurozone crisis has done to date. We can't forget that. Look at Chinese exports because of that they've slowed down massively because of uh, the Eurozone crisis, the EU being China's biggest export partner. Look at Japanese exports. They were terrible the last time they came out because the Eurozone is Japan's fourth largest export partner. Now, US exports to Europe have held up well to date. We will get new trade data from the US very shortly in in the next uh, few sessions. And that will tell us whether or not that can sustain. But really, with the Eurozone looking as if it's going to fall into recession this quarter... I think that the, the that argument perhaps is too premature at this stage. Mm, OK, let's look now at the Swiss franc, because we've seen some very unusual action there in the past few days. The euro has finally moved away from the ceiling that the Swiss National Bank has vowed to defend of 1.20 francs per euro and has risen above 1.21, which has been very rare ever since Switzerland imposed that floor on the franc a year ago. Now, there have been a couple of reasons offered for this in the market. One is really rumours that the SNB may look to raise the ceiling to perhaps 122. Another is that the ECB's actions have reduced the haven pressure on the franc because people are just feeling more positive about the euro. Jane, what do you make, make of these two reasons? I think those both of those reasons are valid and I think it's the, the coincident nature of them which really has lifted Euro-Swiss this week. Um, now the, the 122 rumours came out uh, before the ECB. They came out in, in the middle of the week, the day or so before the ECB announcement. And the timing was really very good considering then the, the, the surge in risk appetite which naturally would have lifted safe haven flow away from Switzerland or lifted the need for safe haven demand. But of course at the same time we also had very poor Swiss economic data. We had GDP in Switzerland, which contracted for the second quarter. That was a surprise. We had a very poor PMI number for manufacturing, suggesting that uh, growth will remain quite poor. And also, and very importantly, we had another print on CPI inflation, suggesting that deflation is still here. And the reason, of course, why that is so important is that as long as there is deflation, then the Swiss National Bank can continue to threaten to print money to support its position. If there were inflation, then I think the market justifiably would be, would would question the ability of it to, to sustain this peg. But if there's deflation, it can print money. And every reason why the Swiss may at some point decide to lift that peg, because that GDP number says to us that even at 120, the Swiss franc is still too strong for the economy to bear. We, we're seeing the, the Swiss economy contracting. So the coincident nature of the poor economic data, those rumours about 122, and then uh, a movement away from safe haven all had an effect. So definitely one to keep an eye on over the next few days. Okay, that is all we've got time for this week. Jane Foley of Rabobank, thank you very much. Thank you. Hard Currency will be back next week, but until then, you can read up-to-date FX news and analysis on our website, ft.com forward slash markets forward slash currencies. Goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts.